Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Thursday, August the 24th, 2023. It is currently 12.52 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. Well, if you have the ability to do so, open your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 23. Open your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 23 if you have the ability to do so. If you do not, just listen carefully. This is one of those times, and I love when this happens here on the podcast, and I'm always looking for ways to make this happen. When we're doing a study over here, I like when I can connect that study with something I'm doing over here, right? I like to have it all work uh, linked together. It, it connects, it reinforces, it reminds, it, it just continues to get certain principles out there because sometimes we find ourselves really focused on one specific concept. And I love when that concept then shows over, shows up here and shows up here. And many of you know that this has been the summer of the book of Jeremiah. And it's hard to believe, ladies and gentlemen, that the summer is fast approaching and in, and we're we're in a dramatic race to see if we can get to the end of Jeremiah before the end of August. We know in some ways we're not going to succeed, but I'm going to find some way to help us to succeed. I'm I'm going to do everything I can. But at the same time, while we're over here working on Jeremiah and kind of in this dramatic race against time, I, I do love when the concepts we're learning in Jeremiah relate to something, well, else that is going on, something very important. And it was impossible for me to ignore this. Last night, we were working on Jeremiah chapter 23. Right, And we really dealt with the first part of Jeremiah chapter 23, which is, woe be unto the pastors. And the best I can determine is the pastors there are not the prophets, they're not the priests, it's not the religious leaders, it's the civil leaders. It's the kings mentioned in Jeremiah chapter 22, these evil kings, right? And so we talked about that last night. You can go listen to that sermon. And then we made it down to this. Look at Jeremiah chapter 23. Okay, I'm sorry. So Jeremiah 23, verse 1. The pastors there, we think, are the civil leaders. Those are the king, the evil kings mentioned in chapter 21 and 22. All right? Just make sure I didn't get the numbers incorrect. But in the second part of Jeremiah 23, we move from the religion, from the civil leaders. We, remo- we move from the kings. Well, to look at this, look carefully. Jeremiah 23, verse 11. Jeremiah 23, verse 11. For both prophet and priest are profane. Yea, in my house have I found their wickedness, saith the Lord. Now, I want you to realize that at the time of Jeremiah, the people were facing a very serious crisis, right? The kings were wicked. The kings were evil. The kings were ungodly. The kings were leading the entire nation towards judgment. So the kings were wicked. And then not only that, the religious leaders, the te- the prophets, the priests, they were all profane. They were all ungodly. They were wicked. Look at it again. Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 11. For both prophet and priest are profane. Yea, in my house have I found their wickedness, saith the Lord. 
Wherefore, their ways shall be unto them as slippery ways and the darkness. They shall be driven on and fall therein, for I will bring evil upon them, even the year of their visitation, saith the Lord. And I have seen folly in the prophets of Samaria. They prophesied and be all and caused my people Israel to err. All right. So now listen, this is very important. If you are living at that time, your political leaders are corrupt. Your religious leaders are corrupt. Where do you turn? Where do you turn when you look around and everywhere is corruption, everywhere is lies, everywhere is false information and deception, and everything is leading you away from God. Everything is trying to replace God with something false, something wrong, whether it's the politicians or whether it's the prophets and the priests. Now, keep, keep reading. This is very important. Look at verse 14, Jeremiah 23, 14. I have seen also in the prophets of Jerusalem uh, an horrible thing. They commit adultery and walk in lies. They strengthen also the hands of evildoers that none doth return from his wickedness. They're all, all of them unto me as Sodom and inhabitants thereof as Gomorrah. Therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts concerning the prophets, behold, I will feed them with wormwood and make them drink the waters of gall for uh, for, far for from the prophets of Jerusalem is profaneness gone forth into all the land. Profaneness have gone into all the land due to the religious leaders. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, hearken not unto the words of the prophets that prophesy unto you. They make you vain. They speak a vision of their own heart and not out of the mouth of the Lord. Can you imagine being in a, a time where you can't look, obviously to the civil leaders, they are all corrupt, and you can't even look, and I'm just going to use this terminology, you can't even look to the church because the church is filled with false prophets. The church are filled, and listen to this again, you, you reach a point where God tells you when it comes to the church, thus saith the Lord of hosts, hearken not unto the words that's coming from the church. From the prophets that prophesy unto you, they make you vain. They speak a vision of their own heart and do not out of the mouth of the Lord. They're no longer giving you God's word. They're giving you the imaginations of their own heart. What happens when the church becomes apostate? Now, I believe in my eschatology that the church is going to get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And that the, that if you are holding to the word of God, you're no longer going to be welcomed in the church. You're going to be forced out of the church. I feel, I believe in my eschatology, there's going to come a point where the true Christian is going to be outside of the church because the church is going to become corrupt and apostate. Look at verse 17. Jeremiah 23, 17. Then say, then say still unto them that despise me, the Lord hath said, ye shall, ha uh, ye shall have peace. And they say unto everyone that walketh after the imagination of their own, of their own heart, no evil shall come upon you. So this is what the, these prophets are going to be saying. They're going to be preaching something completely opposite to the message that Jeremiah has been preaching. They're going to be preaching a message completely contrary to the word of God. So let me read that again, verse 17. They say still 
unto them that despise me. The Lord, they say still unto, unto them that despise me. The Lord has said, you shall have peace. And they say unto everyone that walketh after the imagination of his own heart, no evil shall come upon you. That's completely opposite to what Jeremiah has told them, that destruction is coming. For who hath stood in the counsel of the Lord and hath perceived and heard his word? Who hath marked his word and heard it? Behold, a whirlwind of the Lord has gone forth in fury, even a grievous whirlwind. It shall fall grievously upon the head of the wicked. The anger of the Lord shall not return until he have executed, until he have performed the thoughts of his heart. In the latter days, you shall consider it perfectly. I have not sent these prophets. Yet they ran. I have not spoken to them, yet they have prophesied. But if they had stood in my counsel and had caused my people to hear my words, then they should have turned from their evil way and from the evil of their doings. God did not send them. God did not send these prophets, yet they're prophesying. They do not have his word. What they are preaching is false. They are false. You should, you should read all of Jeremiah 23 today. You should really just read Jeremiah 23 today. Read it, read it, read it. Can you imagine a time where the political leaders are corrupt? The religious leaders are corrupt. And there's no, there's truth is nowhere to be found except within the word of God. This is why you as a Christian, you must commit yourself to the word. You must read it, study it, because I believe the time is coming. And I believe maybe we're getting closer and closer that everywhere you look, from the church to politics. Politics have already been corrupt and they've abandoned God. And I don't care what you say, Republicans and Democrats, all of the political system is corrupt. The whole thing is corrupt. And the church is becoming more and more apostate by the day, more and more corrupting the gospel, corrupting the scriptures. And there is a specific movement inside the church that epitomizes this idea of them claiming to be prophets, but they are not the prophets of God. God did not send them. God did not speak to them. They're giving prophecies and visions from the imagination of their own heart, yet they're claiming to be from God. And I am referring to the new apostolic reformation. The new apostolic reformation It is still an issue that we must deal with because they are misleading people and deceiving people. And they're like the false prophets there in Jeremiah 23. Now, while we're going to talk about this is while I've been preaching on Jeremiah 23, reading it and reading it and reading it, a certain podcast that I tell you all the time you should subscribe to, not that I always agree with it, but it always is interesting, is the Understanding the Times podcast from Olive Tree Ministries. And I think it was last night. I don't remember what night it was, but I leaned over, grabbed my iPad, like go to a podcast app. Let's listen to a podcast, hit play. And I found, I found that, uh, that Olive Tree Ministries, Understanding the Times Radio, that they had dedicated an hour to reveal the troubling agenda of the new apostolic reformation. This is the movement that encourages the leadership of apostles and prophets. And they suggest that they can literally bring heaven to earth and they promote extra biblical revelation. Should churches be playing their music produced by Bethel Church, which is right there in the new apostolic reformation? Who are the leaders of the new apostolic reformation? 
Well, we're going to review a little bit of this. Uh, this is the the new the newest episode of uh, Understanding the Times Radio from Olive Tree Ministries. The title of this episode is Can the NAR Bring Heaven to Earth? It was produced or published on August the 18th, 2023. They have talked about the new apostolic reformation many times. Every time they do, I always tell you to go subscribe to their podcast and listen. Now, Olive Tree Ministries, they now have an app. Let me go back to their to their homepage here. See if I can find it. Where is it? They they have a new mobile app, Olive Tree Ministries. I'm going to let's see here. Olive, I'm going to open up the Apple App Store. I'm going to open up the Apple App Store. See if I can find it. How easy is it to find? Let's see, Olive Tree Ministries. There it is, Olive Tree Ministries. Um, I'm gonna get the I'm gonna get the app. You can find it on the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store. It's Olive Tree Ministries. Please download their app today. Olive Tree Ministries. I don't agree with everything they have to say. Let me make it very clear. I don't agree with everything they have to say. But download Olive Tree Ministries, and you can always listen or you can subscribe to Understanding the Times Radio whenever. It's, uh, you know, a, a drops on your favorite podcasting app. But Olive Tree Ministries, I would highly recommend, strongly recommend that you download it and keep up with what they have to say, because they have been very good at exposing the, the danger and the evil of the new apostolic reformation. They have done a very good job. Whatever else I may disagree with them about, and you may not agree with their eschatology. And sometimes it do, I do think that they tend to get very conspiratorial. Yeah, so I do have my problems. But, hey, someone who's pointing out the evils of the new apostolic reformation, I, I'm, I'm all with it. So this is the, the episode that, that aired on August the 18th. We're going to review some of it, not all of it. But let's see what they have to say. But just remember, Jeremiah 23, in his day, the political leaders were corrupt. And in a sense, all of the religious leaders had been corrupted. They were not giving the word of God. They were giving the imagination of their own heart. That's why for us, we should cling to, right here, our Bibles. Not the imagination of our hearts. But reading it, studying it, memorizing, struggling with it, because we have to have some place to stand. When everything else is corrupt, is, is falling apart, collapsing, being corrupted, while everything else is full of lies and misinformation and deceit, where do you turn? You can stumble in the dark and you can, you can be the blind, you know, you can be the blind following the blind, or you can grab onto the word of God, which is light. It's a lamp and it's truth and you can cling to it and hold on to it like your life depends upon it. All right. Are you ready to listen to this? Let's listen to a little bit of this. Here we go. This is how the episode began. Should we be listening to today's prophets within the church or should we rebuke them? Why can they not be 100% accurate as they had to be in Bible times? No, we are here to make sure heaven comes to earth. Jesus' yeah. prayer and the way he taught us prayer is going to be answered fully. We've been praying a thousand years. But I don't think people fully understand what they're praying. Right. That he is serious about his right. kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Welcome to Understanding the Times Radio with Jan Markell, Radio for the Remnant. 
brought to you by Olive Tree Ministries. Today we look at the modern-day apostle and prophet movement within the church. We are carrying a book by co-authors Holly Pivak and Doug Guyvett, Counterfeit Kingdom, The Dangers of New Revelation, New Prophets, and New Age Practices in the Church. The authors expose the methods and theology of the New Apostolic Reformation, one of the fastest-growing church movements ever. Just who are these leaders and what are they saying? We expose much of it in this uninterrupted hour. Here is Jan Markell with today's programming. Welcome to the program. So glad you can join me today. And we're going to spend the hour on a sensitive but necessary topic, looking at the New Apostolic Reformation, also known as NAR or just NAR. And the movement is not particularly new. It is an offshoot, can go back all the way to the 1940s Latter Rain movement. Tracing it all the way back to the 1940s and the Latter Rain movement. Now, I'll be honest with you. I don't know a lot about the Latter Rain movement in the 1940s. Not. Remember, anything, anything even remotely touching the charismatic world, charismatic theology, anything connected to it, anything, anything that is related to it. I, it's anathema to me. I hate everything a part of the charismatic world. There, the, look, I'm going to make this very clear. Charismatic theology is the poison, and I don't care how they repackage it. I don't care how they restate it. It is poison, and the entire charismatic world should be condemned and rejected. Now, understanding the times, they take a different approach, a much more kinder approach, and say, well, not all care. No, anything related to charismatic theology Anything coming from charismatic theology should be rejected, it should be condemned, and you should have nothing to do with it. You should drive, if if you get near a charismatic church, I would say turn the corner and go five blocks out of your way so you don't even have to drive by the thing. Okay, maybe that's a little bit of hyperbole. You get the idea, all right? Anything. If there's a little bit of charismatic theology creeping into your church, if there's just a little bit, run. It's poison. You say, well, I mean, it's just a little bit. How much poison are you willing to put in your drink? If I'm like, hey, I'm going to bring you a drink, but I'm just going to bring in like maybe 1% of poison. Charismatic theology is poison. All right. And I make no apology for that. I don't care who gets offended. I, 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 I make no, 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 there's just no no room for compromise with the charismatic world. I, I, I loathe it. Probably maybe more than anyone I've ever met is how much I loathe it. All right. But let, let's see. So 1940s latter rain movement. That That's where they, they're go tracing the origins of the, I, I keep wanting to say the NRA, the NAR, the new apostolic reformation. All right, here we go. Which was influenced by a man by the name of William Branham. So the New Apostolic Reformation is not theologically sound, and the Bible for them is oftentimes not sufficient. They might rely on signs, wonders, miracles, healings. And the present-day movement started several decades ago by C. Peter Wagner, and they teach that apostles and prophets must govern the church. It is an experience-driven movement. There is really no headquarters, although many would point to 
the Bethel Church in Redding, California, under the leadership of Bill Johnson. And you've heard me talk about them on this program quite often. And let me quickly add here that this is not a chastisement of the entire charismatic and Pentecostal stream of theology and churches. There are many in that stream who are very opposed to what's going on within the New Apostolic Reformation, and they do see it as experiential and not focused on the Bible. Bill Johnson separated from the Assemblies of God back in the 1990s. Some NAR practices, and I'm going to talk about one here for a second, it's called grave soaking. All right, before she gets into grave soaking, I reject everything she just said there in regards to this is not a chastisement or a rebuke upon many charismatic and Pentecostal church. No, no. Charismatic theology is the problem. The NAR is the symptom. The new apostolic reformation is a symptom of charismatic theology. You, you don't go, you don't go, oh, we're going to rebuke the symptom, rebuke the disease. Don't say we're going to, we're going to rebuke and want we want to fix the symptom. Go after the disease. Okay. I cannot stress that enough. I cannot stress that enough. I'm, I'm, I know, I know some will disagree with me. I know some will disagree with me, but I, 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 I'm not, I don't back down on that. The new apostolic uh, that's and the new apostolic reformation is simply a symptom. And, and so many people, so many people in the church want to go after the symptom, but they don't want to be, too, we're not going to be, we're not going to be mean to the charismatic or Pente- the whole Pentecostal movement is a, is heretical. The entire charismatic movement goes after the very idea of sola scriptura. It, it adds in God talking to you. And of course, don't even get me started with their total, utter abomination of telling people that physical healing is guaranteed in the atonement for here and now. That, that, that is that is so horrifying and wrong and the damage it does to human beings telling them that nonsense. So for me, you can you can if you're if you're yelling and screaming about the new apostolic reformation but you will not go after the disease then you're not fixing it. You're not fixing it. You can go, "Oh look, they do grave soaking. That's crazy. Let's rebuke grave soaking. Let's rebuke the crazy charismatic movement. They gave rise to grave soaking because without the charismatic movement, nobody within Christianity would even be thinking about grave soaking, okay? It wouldn't have never gone there. It started with the charismatic movement. In general, everything within the charismatic movement is corrupt, tainted, and wrong. And, I, and I'm never going to back down on that. I'll never back down on that. I'll never back down on that. Never, never. I, I've said it before. If you put before me a charismatic church, I, I'm not going. I'm not going. You say, well, it's the only church. I don't care. I'm not going. But it's the only one. I don't care. I, I, in fact, I probably would go to the Church of Satan before I went to a charismatic church. And I know you think that's ridiculous, but at least the Church of Satan, if they follow the teachings of Anton LaVey, they're just atheistic and is just giving me a philosophy about worshiping self. That's better than the charismatic movement. Okay, yeah. I, yeah, I have extreme. I, you can say that's too extreme. Well, that's fine. You toy around with cancer. I don't want anything to do with cancer. are denounced by almost all denominations, including 
in the Pentecostal charismatic stream of theology. So now that I've said that term, grave soaking, what is it? It's when people who believe in this kind of amazing nonsense are going to gravitate towards the grave of some saint who's passed on. They're going to lay on the grave or touch the grave or sit by the grave and hope to soak up the spirit of the deceased Christian leader. In this case, I'll play a clip right now. And some Bethel students, this would be in the U.K., are soaking over the grave of Smith Wigglesworth. It's very short. I'll come back, and then I'll bring my guests on. Here we are at Smith Wigglesworth's grave um, in Bradford. It's up the, the other end of England. You might not be able to come here naturally, but you can certainly feel it supernaturally, what's happened in this man's life. And it's funny, all of us students, when we came here, the thing that we felt was like the raising of the dead power and the gift of faith came on us. And Some students were leaning over the back of the grave, and they felt a grace and a faith just rest on them. Mm-hmm. It's funny, isn't it, how Elijah, um, I think someone put the person's bones on his bones and they got raised up to life. When you come into a place where the Holy Spirit was on a person, he still exists there. He still keeps the heritage of the person's life. And he can see how his whole family buried with him. But this is the man, Smith Wigglesworth. And, and the history of this man is a history of miracles and great faith and a restoration of the miraculous anointing into the Church of England and also across the whole world. So that was a little example of grave soaking that happened to be in the UK, but it is an offshoot of the Bethel Outreach in Redding, California. I have gotten acquainted in recent weeks with my two guests for the hour, authors Holly Pivick and Doug Guyvett. And Holly is a blogger, speaker, pastor's wife, and homeschooling mom. She has authored several books. We're going to focus on one this hour. That would be the book I have in front of me, Counterfeit Kingdom, The Dangers of New Revelation, New Prophets, and New Age Practices in the Church. Then Doug Guyvett is a professor, now emeritus, at Biola University and Talbot School of Theology, and his books focus on apologetics. He is co-author of this book. Could your church be a part of this new apostolic reformation? Does your church play the music from this movement, and is that okay? How about Bethel music, Hillsong, Elevation? We'll hopefully have time to discuss that. One more comment, then I bring my guests on. I don't see anything in the Bible about apostles for the church age, other than obviously the biblical apostles. John the Baptist was the last prophet, though there are many hundred self-proclaimed prophets today in this stream. Hebrews 1.1 says, In times past, the Bible and God spoke through prophets, but in the last days he speaks through his Son. So we're going to try to hit some scripture, I hope a lot of it. Holly and Doug, welcome to the program for the first time. Thanks so much for having us on, Jan. Good to be with you. Thank you. Holly, let me address this to you. We're going to go back and forth, and you two feel free to answer as you are comfortable. But apostles and prophets, the NAR teaches, are key to a church. Members of a church submit to these apostles and prophets, and supposedly these apostles and prophets bring new revelation Can you tell me where does the Bible say that churches and members are to submit to an apostle and take heed from a modern-day prophet? It doesn't say that anywhere. Almost the sole scripture that leaders in this movement will point to and support their teaching that apostles and prophets are supposed to govern the church is Ephesians 4.11. So there's a core teaching called fivefold ministry in this movement, which is the belief that there are five governing offices that God has given to govern the church through all generations, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And they base that on Ephesians 4.11. 
which doesn't actually say anything at all about governing offices. It's not talking about that, but that's the verse they point to. And what they'll say is that two of those offices, two of the five apostles and prophets have been missing through the centuries. So it's kind of like a hand. A hand usually has five fingers, but it's been missing two. So in order for the church to have what it needs in place to bring God's kingdom to earth, apostles and prophets need to be restored. And then supernatural power can be restored to the church because these apostles and prophets claim they're giving critical new revelation that all Christians need so they can develop miraculous power. So every Christian can learn to prophesy, heal the sick, raise the dead, even learn to work greater miracles than Jesus worked, according to the teachings of this movement. And through these supernatural powers and the spiritual warfare that they're claiming to equip their followers to wage, they can then bring heaven to earth or bring God's kingdom to earth. We're going to get into that here momentarily. Doug, the original apostles were commissioned by Jesus, and they were an eyewitness for the resurrected Lord, and the original prophets had to be 100% right. And particularly that part B that I just said, the original prophets had to be 100% right. Today's prophets are wrong more than they're right. What do you make of that? Okay, this is a pretty common teaching. They're just giving some basic information here. And again, Ephesians 4.11, I'll never forget, what was it, one o'clock in the morning, two o'clock in the morning, um, I'm in the military, we're in the middle of a military exercise, and uh, well, I'm in the command center, and two of the people there, two of the officers there, unfortunately, claim to be prophets, prophets of God, right? Okay, and these are the two individuals who uh, walk over to, uh, now, not at this night, but Months later, uh, I work with a woman who is diagnosed with terminal cancer. She's only got like six months to live. It's a horrible thing. I sit right next to her offices. I mean, I sit right next to her and I would you know, sit right next to her for, I don't know, a year, two years. I don't remember how long I worked there uh, in that particular office. And then they come walking in one day after her diagnosis and told her that God had told them that she was healed that it was over, it was done, the cancer was gone, and she starts crying and weeping. I'm sitting there at my desk. I I don't want to just like, I just want to lose my mind. I want to start throwing things. I want to just go to a full-blown physical fight. I'm just going to be honest with you. I wanted, I, I, I oh, I, I could not deal with it. She goes home, tells her kids, tells her family. It's this big deal. And what, I think, was it three months, maybe? Two months, she was dead. And of course, the so-called lying pieces of human garbage. And I, I'm not going to be nice about it because anyone who does that is, is lacks any humanity. Do they show up? No, nowhere to apologize, nothing. They just move on to the next person to tell their lies to. But it was like one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning that me and one of the individuals got into a discussion and, and he's like, you're, you, you're a pastor. And I'm like, yeah. He's like, so you, you uh, believe in the fivefold ministry? And I'm like, oh no, 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 just stop, just stop. And then he starts talking about the fivefold ministry brings the power back to the church. I'm like, yeah, the power that you don't have, right? Because we work here in a hospital. I don't know. You don't raise anyone from the dead. You don't heal anyone because you're a liar is what you are. Okay. But I, I tried to be calm about it. And we, we got into a pretty heated conversation, but it's their teaching. And he gave some apostles, some prophets, and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints. Listen, to in the history of the church, there have been apostles. There have been prophets, 
right? There have been those, those offices that have been in the church. The apostles were very important. There have been prophets. But, and, and now as a pastor, as a teacher, the office of the apostle ended with the last apostle. Prophets, well, we no longer foretell, but we foretell the word of God, right? We, we speak the word of God, but we're not foretelling and predicting and, and giving any extra biblical revelation. We still do the work of the evangelist and, and a pastor. There's a, there's a historical idea here how this works. And when you get to Hebrews, you see this, that in time past, God spoke in diverse ways, in many different ways. He's spoken all of these different ways. But today, now, things have changed. There's been a change, a fundamental change. Once the completed revelation of God's word was given, this is God's completed revelation. There is no more revelation being given. God only speaks to us through his word alone. All right? But these these men claim to be prophets. They claim to be apostles. And guess what they do? They don't demonstrate the power they, they pretend they have the power and they may be able to pull it off in the confines of their little church where they brainwash everyone. I don't know what else to call it. But when you get them in the real world, they're not healing anybody. They're not doing any of the stuff they claim that they can do. And, and their prophecies are wrong over and 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 over again. Another person I knew who, uh, well, the, the, the person who worked for me, she was a part of the worship team. At the big charismatic church, she was friends with a person who used to be who who used to be on staff at that church, and he was on staff at that church until his father got very 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 sick, and in the church the pastor made a prophecy that his father would be healed, and his father died. I cannot tell you how many times this nonsense happens, and I don't know why. It, like at this point in twenty twenty three. I don't know how any rational person can still be a part of a charismatic church because anyone with any any hope of rationality would be like, okay, there's been enough evidence given. There's enough certain there's enough documented evidence of the lies and the mistakes and the and the errors and the and the just false prophecies given by the charismatic world. Anyone with any willingness to look into the evidence would be like, you know what? This entire, the entire charismatic world is apostate, but nope. You, I, I, it's, it's beyond comprehension how people can be deceived and it's almost impossible to get them out of their deception. That is a problem. It's a very serious problem. Deuteronomy chapter 18 stipulates that if a prophet is not accurate in all that he predicts as part of his prophetic ministry, then he is not a prophet speaking for God. He is not of God. We don't see anywhere in Scripture where that requirement of perfect accuracy in foretelling or prophesying the future has been lifted, and that would then apply to anyone who pretends to be a prophet in the same tradition today or in the New Testament era. Now, what many NAR prophets and apostles will say teachers in this movement, in fact, I think most would say this, is that prophets can make mistakes, that yes, it's true that for the Hebrew tradition in the Old Testament, prophets were required to be accurate and be disqualified if they failed. And by the way, not only disqualified, but God ordered that they should be stoned Mm -hmm. to death, executed. It was that serious of an offense. But something changed with the New Testament prophets, and now it's permissible 
to grow in the prophetic and to discover your prophetic potential gradually and develop it over time and through trial and error and make mistakes. Mm -hmm. And prophets need to be testing one another as a way to curb excesses and mistakes. So they think they can point to some support in the New Testament for fallibility among God's prophets in the New Testament and today. But that, of course, is a mistake. We think that they have distorted the Scripture. Here is Patricia King. She is a part of this stream, and to her credit, she is talking here about the pandemic, COVID. She says, why did none of the prophets pick up on this? And once they did pick up on it, she rightfully criticizes. They said, everything will be okay. We've got this global pandemic happening. The economy tanked. People were out of jobs everywhere. People are dying everywhere. And it doesn't seem that hardly any prophets picked up on it. At least it wasn't decreed. Then once it happened, we were getting prophetic words that were saying everything's going to be okay. It's not a big deal. It's going to be fine. And of course, people ended up dying and our nations were very much impacted by it. The economies were impacted by it. And so, of course, the prophetic credibility is in question. Holly, it would be nice when they see the obvious, as Patricia King has here and articulately so stated, that they might say, maybe the stream isn't the most reliable, but they don't say that. No. And not only that, this goes back to the root of the problem, the entire charismatic movement. You're over here talking about the new apostolic reformation. Let's just take a global pandemic. Over a million people died in the United States. Over a million people died globally. I think the, the total death toll is well over 2 million, maybe even over, over 3 million, okay? Crazy amount of people died. Now, I know many Christians are like, it's not true. It's all fake. It's all, okay. That, that's another craziness in the world of Christianity. We won't even go there. But people were dying. Now, if there was ever a time, forget the new apostolic reformation, basic charismatic theology, Healing is guaranteed because of the atonement for now. What a time to put it to work. The charismatic should have been coming out of their churches and droves. There should have been armies of them. No mask, no protective gear. Take me to every place where there is a person affected with COVID and I will heal them. I will raise them from the dead and the entire pandemic would have been Nothing, because charismatics would have been raising and healing people, but they didn't do anything because their theology is a lie. Just like the prophets in Jeremiah 23, they speak from the imaginations of their own heart. The only thing charismatics have ever been good at is having great imaginations because they are not good at reading the Bible, studying the Bible, or understanding the Bible. They would make great actors. They would make great story writers, but they're not good at dealing with theology in the face of reality. No, they don't say that. As Doug explained, you can be considered a genuine prophet in this movement. And even if you make mistakes, very high profile prophets, Chris Bellatin, who's the chief prophet at Bethel Church in Redding, California, the right-hand man to the apostle Bill Johnson there, Chris Bellatin predicted that President Trump would win oh. a second consecutive term in office in 2020. And 
he apologized after the fact. But he also said he didn't think that that disqualified him as being a prophet. So it's very common for leaders in this movement to make prophecies like that and get it wrong. And their followers still regard them as genuine prophets. We can play that clip. And again, this is a couple of years old, folks, but it's still a very profound clip. And various ones of them, Jeremiah Johnson and others here, Cat Carter, let's just play this clip. And this validates what Holly has just said. Trump will be president no matter what you hear. Author and prophet Kat Kerr told the Elijahist Steve Schultz that the prophets did not get it wrong. She says God is getting ready to uncover corruption and evil. She says it will be a landslide of exposure. It'll start with a phone call, and I can tell you, you will be shocked to see how much exposure comes from that. But Trump will win. He wow. will be president of the United States. He will sit in that office for four more years, and God will have his way in this country. Kerr is not alone. Prophet Jeremiah Johnson believes before Trump is declared the winner, Joe Biden may prematurely announce that he is the next president of the United States. He wrote to his followers, quote, Either a lying spirit has filled the mouths of numerous trusted prophetic voices in America, or Donald J. Trump really has won the presidency, and we are witnessing a diabolical and evil plan unfold to steal the election. At 4.30, the Lord said to me, I am going to give your president a second win. Whoa! Just a few weeks ago, Pastor Denise Goulet spoke those words over President Trump while he attended the International Church of Las Vegas. She joined a chorus of other prophetic voices that believe God told them Trump will win, including CBN's Pat Robertson. I want to say without question, Trump is going to win the election. In the book of Amos, chapter 3, verse 7, it says God does nothing without revealing his plans to his servants, the prophets. And these prophetic voices say, it ain't over. You are listening to Understanding the Times Radio. I'm Chad. Yeah, they were all wrong. You know why they were all wrong? Because the imagination of their own heart, because that all they could do is follow what they wanted because of their political, they have been so politically hijacked, almost turned. Look, let's just be honest. I, I, you know, I've tried to be nice for years, but I'm tired of being nice. Donald Trump is nothing more than an idol in the American evangelical world. He is an idol. You've made him an idol. You worship him and it's enough in the American church. And so because you worship him, you create false prophets, pro false prophecies to fulfill the imagination of your own heart. You've proven to be liars. God did not speak to you. God is not speaking to you. And you should have stayed with the word of God instead of the idol of Donald Trump. And then maybe, just maybe you could have avoided some of this embarrassment, but it doesn't matter how wrong you are because your, your, your listeners are going to continue to give you money. You're going to continue to move forward and you're going to continue to have a big following. But guess what? That doesn't make you right because you've been proven to be wrong over and over and over and over and over again. You're false prophets, you're false teachers, your entire movement is fraudulent, and the root of the problem is charismatic theology. The new apostolic reformation is simply a symptom. It is simply a symptom of the disease which is charismatic theology, which opens the door for extra biblical revelation and visions and all of it anyway. Everything the new ap apostolic reformation is doing comes from charismatic theology. 
Landmark Hill, and we are carrying the book Counterfeit Kingdom, The Dangers of New Revelation, New Prophets, New Age Practices in the Church. It's in my online store. You can find it at olivetreeviews.org. I am privileged to have both authors on the line with me, Holly Pivak, who joins me today from Alaska, and co-author Douglas Guyvet. You can find the book, as I said, olivetreeviews.org. Call my office. Doug, I've got your book open right now to page 58. Here you say, But for now it's important to understand that those who hold these church offices possess tremendous authority. Because they possess such great authority, they should not claim to be exempt from the Old Testament test for prophecy. So the burden of proof is on them to show that the fulfillment text was canceled, a burden none of the NAR, New Apostolic Reformation, prophets have met. Doug, they just seem to get a huge pass. Can you understand the mentality here that, again, this huge pass from the biblical standard? Well, it is difficult to understand it and to make sense of why people would continue to believe and follow these leaders and give them a pass when they fail, when they have flunked the test. I think it has something to do with a lack of knowledge of Scripture and a decision to test their claims against Scripture. Not only do they have a burden of proof regarding the expiration of God's standards for prophets— as you just quoted there, but they have a burden of proof regarding their apostolic and prophetic claims to begin with, and that's a burden that they have not shouldered. They do not present evidence of the right kind that they are God's actual apostles Mm -hmm. and prophets for this generation. There are things they will say, but they're not compelling. For example, they will say that they had a visitation from God or that they were taken to the courts of heaven and they had a vision, or they were visited in some fashion or other. But it's all private. It cannot be corroborated. And there are all sorts of things that could explain it, even if it did happen. And we can't even be sure it did happen. And yet on that basis, their own testimony, we're supposed to believe that they have the utmost authority at the highest level of church organization. That's not good enough. For prophets, they might say, as long as I'm giving a prophecy that is compatible with Scripture— then you can believe it. No, compatibility does not entail truth. I can say things that are compatible with what the Scripture says because maybe the Scriptures have nothing to say on that topic. And yet, if I claim that it must be true because it's compatible, that simply doesn't follow. That's not logically correct. I want to see other connections with the prophetic tradition, and I want to see other evidence that an individual is a prophet. So these means of supporting their claim to have this kind of authority are specious and weak. And when people stop and ask the question, just exactly what support can they offer for their claims to have this authority, then they will see for themselves that it doesn't stack up, either logically or against the standards of Scripture. Let me address this question to Holly, because... Before she addresses that question to Holly... Let me interrupt and just say, look, here's the deal. God doesn't speak to anyone in any way, shape, or form outside the Word of God. The end. 
If you open the door for anything else, then it's just spiritual anarchy and chaos. It's hard enough with scripture alone, is it not? With scripture alone, just the word of God. Nobody can agree on anything. Nobody can agree on baptism. Nobody can agree on the Lord's Supper. Nobody can agree on salvation. Nobody can agree on eschatology. Nobody can agree on sanctification. You name it. We can't agree even with just the Bible alone. You add people saying God told them this, God told them this, God told them this, God said this, God said this. Anytime anyone tells you God said, God spoke to them, when pastors say that, when Christians say that, if the next words out of their mouth are not scripture alone, they're lying. God is not talking to them. And and whether they know it or not, they've been influenced by charismatic theology. God is not giving you, it's, if you want to hear God, read, read the Bible. If you want to hear God audibly, read out loud. There you go. That's it. That's all your options are. God is not speaking to you any other way. And if you think, oh, he gave me this or he spoke to me or he, no, 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 no. Scripture alone, right? Don't, there's no other options. NAR leaders, New Apostolic Reformation, say that if you submit to these apostles and prophets, followers will receive new revelation Can you help us understand what do they mean, new revelation? I get the sense that the Bible isn't sufficient, that we need this new kind of revelation. Help us understand this. Often what they're talking about is our critical new revelations, which they'll describe as strategies that the church supposedly needs to bring God's kingdom to earth. So the reason that the church hasn't been able to finish the Great Commission all these years, which they've redefined as bringing God's kingdom to earth, the reason we haven't been able to do that yet is the apostles and prophets haven't been here to give us the strategies, the revelation. One of those strategies, for example, is the seven mount mandate. According to this revelation, God gave the strategy that our apostles must rise to the top of society's seven major societal institutions, which they call mountains. So government, media, family, business, education, church, and the arts. And once the apostles hold the top posts in these institutions, then they can cast out the high-ranking demonic spirits, the territorial spirits, they would say, that rule over those institutions. And then through those institutions, God's kingdom can be brought to earth. That's an example of one very popular revelation in this movement that is given. So they give revelations of that nature. They're like strategies. They also give revelations to individuals. So sometimes prophets will give them guidance on maybe who to marry, where to live. So there's different types of revelation. You used a term that we need to take a look at, and that is kingdom now, dominion bringing heaven to earth. If you go to the website of Bethel Church, it will hit you Right away, that's what the homepage shows. We're bringing heaven to earth. The theology behind that, which is dominion theology, says that the church, given enough time and the right kind of leaders and workers, will make the planet perfect. Folks, it's a fallen planet. Only Jesus returned when he comes in the second coming and establishes the millennium. Will he make this planet near perfect? That really doesn't happen until the new heavens and the new earth. But here again, This is Patricia King, and here she's talking to Cheon about the seriousness of bringing God's kingdom in heaven to earth. The beauty of apostolic authority, when it's exercised, it actually brings shifts. It brings light into the darkness. It creates those things that are not. It's like bringing forth the kingdom. And that's the beauty of the apostolic authority that every believer has that apostolic oil in them. Yes. And if we would all exercise it, 
we wouldn't say, oh, I need to escape the darkness. Everything's going to get worse and worse. But we would know, no, we are here to make sure heaven comes to earth. Jesus' Amen. prayer and the way he taught us prayer is going to be answered fully. <laughs> praying right? 2,000 years. I don't think people fully understand what they're praying. Right. That he is serious about his right. kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Holly, I think one... Well, if I've got apostolic oil in me, if I've got apostolic blessing, and that I can get rid of these things so that I can bring heaven to earth, well, then I'm going to start exercising it to get rid of the entire charismatic world. Because if I can get rid of the charismatic world, we would be one step closer to heaven on earth. The thing keeping us from heaven on earth is the entire charismatic movement. So I'm going to start a new, new apostolic reformation. And I'm going to say that what we need to do is use our apostolic authority as believers to condemn and reject the entire charismatic world, everything connected with it. It needs to be rejected. It needs to be thrown out of the body of Christ. And once it's rejected, then, then we can have truly a new, new apostolic reformation where the church then could be pure. And then we could, quote unquote, bring theological heaven to earth. There we go. How does that work? This can Can we do that? We need a new, new apostolic reformation where all Christians exercise their apostolic authority to condemn the entire charismatic world. Everything. The assemblies of God, Pentecost, any, any denomination, even if it's charismatic light, it's condemned. And then, and then once that's purged, once that's purged from Christianity, then Christianity can be the light that it's supposed to be. There we go. That's the new, new apostolic reformation where Christians exercise their authority to get rid of the charismatic movement. I wonder if they would, they would be down with that. What if I told them that that's the revelation God has just given me? That on August the 24th at 1.44 p.m., God spoke to me and said, go forth, condemn the charismatic world, because when it is removed, then my blessings will fall from heaven to earth. Maybe I should start my own, you know, new movement. But they would tell me that God is not speaking to me. Isn't it amazing that God, I can't, God's supposed to speak to all of us. But if I say God told me something that goes against them, they would tell me that God is not speaking to me. Isn't that that convenient? Isn't that convenient? One of the things that the New Apostolic Reformation does like to stress, and I know they believe this in their heart, and that is there is coming the greatest revival across the globe that we've ever seen. And part of this revival, of course, is going to bring heaven to earth. I believe there's a revival. It's in what we call the tribulation, Daniel's 70th week, when those people who are left behind after the rapture of the church, millions of them do get saved. To me, that's the next revival. I certainly could be wrong. And if there's a coming revival in the church before that, praise the Lord. I just don't see that in the Bible. But give me your thoughts on this. That's another revelation in this movement that's very popular. It's known as the Billion Soul Harvest. Mm -hmm. Prophets like Bob Jones and Paul Caney are very revered in this movement, despite the fact they had significant moral failures. But they continue to be highly revered. And they talked about this billion soul harvest that was coming where a billion people would convert to Christianity because they would see all these amazing miracles that are being performed by the apostles and prophets. And stadiums would be filled with people watching these miracles occur, these amazing miracles of healing and things like that. And those would be broadcast on television all over the world, and it would cause a billion people 
to convert to belief in Christ and bring about this great end-time revival and bring in God's kingdom. We talk about this in chapter of our book and how in Nar eschatology, their view of the end times theology is that it's known as victorious eschatology, that the church is going to be this glorious overcoming church that's working signs and wonders and miracles and is going to bring God's kingdom to earth through that. So that's the distinctive eschatology of this movement. And they do have a kingdom now dominionist theology, as you were describing. Now, first, someone said, what's the, what's the, uh, what's my movement called? I don't know what my movement should be called. My movement should be called charismatic theology is evil and must be removed from earth. Okay. That's what it's called. I don't know what to call it. I, the, the whole thing just drives me crazy, but I have been hearing about this supposed coming revival my whole Christian life in the charismatic world. The first time I stumbled upon Christian television and saw all the charismatic programs. Revival is coming. Revival is here. God is going to do a work. He's going to fill the earth with his glory. Hospitals are going to be emptied out. People are going to raise from the dead. I can go. I, I've got books from Rod Parsley, I think somewhere in my, somewhere in, in the bookshelves in the garage, somewhere um, uh, uh, of him talking about it. And he was his church, which is his church, Harvest Church in Ohio. I, I can't remember where it is, but I got, I got books from charismatics going back to the eighties. Maybe some of them are as old as the seventies. It's here. Revival is here. The greatest revival ever seen to man is here. God's glory is about to fill the earth. And guess what? The seventies came and went. The eighties came and went. The nineties came and went. The two thousands came and went. Two thousand tens came and went. Now we're in the two thousand twenties, two thousand twenty three, twenty twenty three. It's still not happened. Every time they say it's here, they're wrong. Brownsville revival. It was here. Lakeland revival. It was here. It never is here. Okay. It never happens. Just stop. Your whole theology is fraudulent. Your whole theology is wrong. Your whole movement is corrupt. Do you want to comment on that? Just note the texture of this is optimism, expectation that things are getting better, not worse, that the apostles and prophets will be strategic to the realization of this hopeful vision that is not described in anything like the kind of detail that they suggest. There are three sources of error, as I see it, among our teachers. Two of them have to do with how the scriptures are used, and then one is a separate issue. In terms of their handling of scripture, first, they simply make mistakes in their interpretation. Mm -hmm. If you are a Berean in your posture, you should be examining the things that they say against the scriptures, and especially studying closely in context all of the passages that they point to when they make their claims. And you will see on careful inspection that there is a departure from the natural proper sense of what the passage is saying and teaching. So that's the first source of error. The second source of error comes when they go to the scriptures, but they bring their own subjective and private experiential interpretations to the scriptures. And they do this on the basis of believing that in their preparations, when they were reading the pages, the Holy Spirit breathed on those pages during their encounter with the Scriptures and illuminated their minds with new understanding. So this is understanding that comes not from private study and personal examination, but from an outside source that they attribute to the Holy Spirit, giving them impressions about what it means. And
one of the most damaging things to biblical hermeneutics. And this has infiltrated the evangelical world where Christians claim the Holy Spirit leads you into truth. The Holy Spirit teaches you. That is the garbage from charismatic theology. No, if you want to study the scriptures, God's not going to tell you the answer. God's not leading you into truth. You've got to study it. Those those promises about leading people into truth were for the apostles and the writers of the New Testament. Bringing those things to memory was for the writers of the New Testament because God was going to ensure that the scriptures were God-breathed. But God is not doing that because if he was doing that after 2,000 years, if God is leading us into all truth, there wouldn't be a million different denominations, well, not a million, thousands of denominations and millions of interpretations. We would have one truth. But that's, whenever you're going to have biblical hermeneutics and then you're going to come along, well, God's going to show you. God's going to open your eyes. God's going to lead you. Now you got something external supposedly leading you in how to interpret the text. No, you interpret the text based off the words that are used, how they are constructed, and the context in which they are found, and the historical context in which they were written, and to the original recipients in which they were given. here again, we have a departure from the plain sense of Scripture. So that's a second source of error. And then the third source of error are the extra-biblical revelations they receive apart from Scripture because they are apostles or prophets. If you just joined me, you're listening to Understanding the Times Radio. I'm Jan Mark. And we will stop right there. So guess what you need to do? You need to go look up Understanding the Times Radio with Jan Markell, and you need to listen to it. Find it on anywhere you get your uh, podcast, Understanding the Times Radio. Please go listen to the rest of it, please. I just wanted to bring this to your attention because it fits so perfectly with Jeremiah 23. You should read Jeremiah 23 today about those false prophets. And don't forget, download the Olive Tree Ministries app right now for your Apple device or your Android device, Olive Tree Ministries. And you can listen to that very episode on their app. Um, I didn't even know that. I think they just released the app. Olive Tree Ministries, download the app. It's on the Apple App Store and the Google Play Store. Download it today. Turn on your notifications. And every time they drop a new episode, you can listen. I don't agree with everything they say. And at times they are very con, con, uh, conspiratorial. And but I, I do have my own issues with uh, Olive Tree Ministries, but I do respect the fact that they have been a very loud and prominent voice on Christian radio. Uh, I think they, I think uh, Olive Tree Ministries, understanding the Times Radio, I think it broadcasts on like over 700 radio stations. They have been a vocal voice on Christian radio against the new apostolic reformation. And for that... I applaud because that's a lot of radio stations right here in my right here in Abilene, Texas, on uh, American Family Radio on Sunday afternoons when I'm leaving church. Right, okay, it comes on at noon when I get in the car and I start driving home from church. I'll turn on ninety one point three American Family Radio, and guess who I hear? Jen Markell, Understanding the Times Radio. That means all the charismatics in Abilene when they are getting out of church and they turn on Christian radio. I'm always hoping they will hear her condemning the new apostolic reformation because there's plenty of charismatic churches right here in the Abilene, Texas area. So I am grateful for that and glad, even though I disagree with uh, their program on many aspects, I am so grateful that they are the one of the few voices 
Now, there's a lot of podcasters that will condemn the new apostolic reformation, but to actually be on Christian radio, sometimes it's hard to condemn any theological movement because Christian radio, I know that, will kick you off the air for it sometimes because it happened to me. But there you go. I'm glad that she can do that, and I hope she'll continue to be able to do that and continue to call out the apostasy and the errors of the new apostolic reformation. But just remember this, the new apostolic reformation is the symptom. The disease is charismatic theology in every shape or form in which you find it. It is the cancer. It is the cancer that must be condemned at its very basic form. All right, thanks for listening. You can email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. Please read Jeremiah chapter 23 today and because it fits perfectly with what we just listened to. Thanks, everyone. Have a great day. God bless.